for just a few brief moments, uh, name your favorite superhero there. And while you're doing that, I'm going to ask Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian, who is your, or who was growing up your favorite superhero? Uh, does the Hamburglar count? The who? Hamburglar. <laughs> the Hamburglar is uh, what Pastor Brian uh, said uh, uh, is his or was his uh, growing up. Our culture is drawn uh, to superheroes. Uh, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Isis, they all have or had, depending on your point of view with past tense or not, seemingly unique powers that make them invincible. They also, though, have vulnerabilities. The Wolverine has the Muramasa blade. Flash is vulnerable to running too fast. I don't know if you knew that, Brian. And of course, the most famous vulnerability for a superhero is Superman's kryptonite. Now, to be honest, if you can't tell by now, I am not a superhero aficionado. I had to do quite a bit of Google research just to get this far in the sermon. But what I found interesting in my Google research is that over the years, superheroes have become more vulnerable. For example, Batman is now reportedly very easy to emotionally manipulate. Well, comic books and superheroes aside, the idea of being vulnerable is an emotional state of being from which most of us flee. Now, let's conduct another little bit of an experiment this morning. If you will, take the word vulnerability and just offer a few synonyms, just a few synonyms for what it means to be vulnerable. I'll give you a few seconds. Well, no doubt some of you uh, probably put uh, weakness or uh, uh, to, be, to be weak in some way or another. We struggle uh, to show our weaknesses and vulnerabilities as human beings. We bury our vulnerabilities, we mask them, and we allow them to marinate and become the soul-stripping, joy-depleting feeling of shame. In short, we struggle to be vulnerable because we are afraid that if people know our struggles and weaknesses, then we will be rejected. Fears become amplified, and life starts to feel like one big middle school cafeteria where all the cool kids are at one table and then everybody else just struggles to fit in. Yet, get this. Vulnerability is, as one researcher and counselor put it, it can be the birthplace of everything you're hungry for. You risk being vulnerable and you find you're accepted for who you are and not for what you do. You risk being vulnerable and you find the depth of unconditional love. You risk being vulnerable and you find that failure is not fatal. It is one of life's greatest teachers. You risk being vulnerable and you begin to realize that you have enormous value before God. Vulnerability, Andy Crouch wrote, can lead to extraordinary flourishing. C.S. Lewis wrote, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. 
It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. You may be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with our text that our children so wonderfully read earlier about what does vulnerability have to do with the little children coming to Jesus? Bear with me. Our text is nestled right in between two other stories. And I want us to expand uh, this morning uh, our look at the text and consider all three. So So these three stories are the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector who both go to the temple to pray. And then there's this beautiful story about the little children coming to Jesus that we heard earlier. And then there's a story of a rich guy who wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. He knew he was missing something. But when faced with the choice of losing his wealth or being saved, he chose his wealth. Now, to be sure, we see humility as a theme in these stories. We see the call of Jesus to to walk away from our old life and to follow Him as in the rich guy. And we've covered these themes often. But I want us to see this other thread that is running through these three stories. This thread of vulnerability. So for example, we see that vulnerability leads to mercy. A Pharisee and a tax collector went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee prays, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Now what a piece of work this guy is. Don't you think he's a piece of work, Brian? He's a piece of work. He basically does the old one-two punch. He lifts himself up and pushes other people down. He essentially says, God, you should be glad that I am on your team, God. Now, while this man may seem bold and brashy and arrogant, more than likely he was incredibly insecure. Now, listen to how Jesus described the tax collector's prayer. But the tax collector, Jesus said, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me a sinner. This guy is dripping with vulnerability. Tax collectors were not the nicest people in the world. Here's how it worked. The Roman government wanted to collect collect taxes from the Jewish people, and so what they would do is they would hire one of their fellow Jewish citizens to do their bidding and to collect the taxes, and they were allowed to keep a percentage for themselves. They could keep more than they collect, and the more they collected the more money they made they were not the most popular people in the village and they were not always honest in their dealings so something has something has gotten to this tax collector to even move him forward to the temple to pray he is clearly feeling guilty for his sins he approaches the place of prayer and he is so filled with shame that he cannot even look up to heaven And he beats his chest and he admits, God, I need your mercy. Jesus said, it is this man who found mercy. This man, the tax collector who was justified before God. And it started with him being honest and vulnerable before the Lord. 
In his book, Strong and Weak, Andy Crouch writes, my paraphrase, that human beings are the only creatures that can be naked. By adulthood, every other creature naturally possesses whatever fur, scales, or hide that are necessary to protect it from the environment. No other creature shows any signs at all in its natural state of feeling incomplete in the way that human beings consistently do. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve didn't recognize their nakedness until they sinned and felt their shame. You see, God wants us to come to Him like the tax collector and to lay our souls bare before Him in honest confession and vulnerability. God knows we have sinned, but the point of vulnerable confession before God is to tell God that we know we have sinned and to agree with Him. And it is then that we find His deep mercy and His amazing grace. And one of the ways that we grow in joy and freedom is when we have fellow Christians with whom we can be honest and vulnerable about our spiritual journey and our struggles. A few weeks ago, I mentioned the four critical spaces of relationships. Let me just mention them again. It bears repeating. There's intimate space, which involves two to four close friends with whom we are most vulnerable. Then personal space, five to 12 people with whom we can grow. Social space, which is what the New Testament calls the, the oikos or the household, which is 20 to 50 people. And then public space, which is more than 70 people. God's mercy is incredible over our lives. And yet there are times when we need to experience the mercy of God through another human being so that it feels tangible and real. I've been praying lately about how God is going to renew and to reset the ministry here as we navigate uh, this season of COVID and then in the post-COVID season. And one of the insights the Lord has impressed upon me is that we need to do all we can to encourage people into these spaces, and particularly the first two spaces of the two to four people and the, the 10 to 12 so that real spiritual growth can occur. Gentle question, are you vulnerable before the Lord? Make that gentle questions. Do you need to deepen your prayer life to include more honesty and confession before the Lord? Well, let's keep pulling on this thread of vulnerability because we also see as we look at the second story that vulnerability leads to security. When you read the Gospels of Jesus, you'll notice that Matthew Mark and Luke often have almost identical stories. This is why they're called synoptic, meaning they are in sync with one another. They're not identical, but they're typically in sync. John, the Gospel of John, is very different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story of people bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples then trying to keep them from doing so. But there's a difference. Luke goes out of his way to tell us that people were bringing their babies to Jesus. The word, Luke, the word that Luke uses is often translated, the, the word that Luke uses for children is typically the word used for an infant. The word Matthew and Mark uses is typically described for a little child. For the most part, it is a distinction without a difference. Yet, the idea of people bringing their infant babies 
does show us two pictures of vulnerability. We see the vulnerabilities of the parents. These parents had seen Jesus heal others. In the first century Roman Empire, the infant mortality rate was almost 30%. Imagine that. Almost one out of three babies, infants, did not survive. It was an incredible act of vulnerability to, to take your child to Jesus and ask for him to touch that child and to put his blessing on them. Parents then and now know there's only so much we can do to keep our babies safe and well. And then, of course, babies represent vulnerability. They're completely helpless little creatures. They can't feed themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't run away from danger. All they can really do is cry. Cry out for help. They learn very quickly that's how they get help into the room. Right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, they just cry mm-hmm. and here comes help running. They are dependent in every way for security and protection. Jesus says we need to be babies. We need to be like these babies. We need to be completely and utterly dependent on Him for all things, including our sense of security. No matter what we go through in life, if we trust and depend upon Him, our souls will be secure. Jesus never promised us that our bodies would be invincible at all. He never promised us that we wouldn't face sickness or disease or death, but He did promise us eternity. He did promise us that our souls can find security and rest in Him and that in Him we can have abundant and eternal life. I don't know about you, but I need to hear this word during the COVID season. I know it is not necessarily rational, but I've had my moments during COVID when I might walk by someone who's talking really loudly without a mask on, or I might be walking and and walk past a jogger who's huffing and puffing, and I all of a sudden think, you know what, I might have just contracted COVID in that brief moment. Or I might go to the grocery store and the grocery store feels a little bit crowded and all of a sudden I'll start thinking, you know what, this trip for a pack of Oreos may have just cost me COVID. Probably not. Probably hurt my waistline. That was probably more of a risk. But still, irrational thought. And my luck, I'll probably be wearing a mask and the mask will fog fog up my glasses and I'll step in front of a truck. If I do, at least say he was wearing a mask and he loved Jesus. Hear me out here. We all need to be really vigilant and wear a mask. Stay six feet apart. Alter your Thanksgiving plans. Don't travel. All those things the CDC is telling us to do. We need to do these things. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your fellow uh, church members. Do it for your neighbor. And yet, if the worst comes your way, the worst comes my way, when we are in Christ, He is holding us. He has our souls. He has us. We're safe and secure when we're leaning on the everlasting arms. Safe and secure from all alarms. He has our souls. But you need to tell him. You need to tell him that you know that you need his protection. 
You need to tell him that you know that you need him to hold you and to hold your soul and to keep you safe and secure. You need to tell him that you trust him to do so. Let's look briefly at our third story. Let's pull on this thread of vulnerability just one more time. A wealthy ruler came to Jesus and you get this sense that he knew he needed something else. He knew he needed Jesus. And so he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, keep the commandments. And he started listing out some of the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. And then the rich guy said, well, I am good to go. I've been doing all these things since I was a wee little lad. I just made him Scottish, but you get the point. Jesus then said to him, you are one commandment short. You lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come on and follow me. The text says that this made him sad because he was so wealthy. Now, was Jesus saying to us, you have to sell all your possessions and give to the poor and this is the way to be saved? No. What was he saying? Notice when he started listing off the Ten Commandments, he left off the first two. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an idol. Jesus is not saying sell everything and give it to the poor if you love God more than money. But if you love money more than God, he's telling you to sell it all. If you love your job, your home, your hobbies more than God, he'll tell you to walk away from them because they are keeping you from following him. So Jesus listed out these commandments, but left off that first one, no other gods before me. Because he he was telling the guy, this is what you need. You need to trust God first and foremost in all things. Daryl Bach wrote, anything that excessively anchors us to the earth rather than freeing us as commissioned representatives from God indicates a breakdown in the discipleship process. What is really frightening is how easy it is for all of us to choose earth over heaven. The rich guy had this sense of vulnerability, but he wasn't willing to trust the Lord with it. Jesus went on to say it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Indicating how hard it is for people to walk away from that which attaches them to earth. But you know what? Jesus also said that nothing is impossible with God. That God can touch even the heart of someone who has enormous wealth and give them the ability to prioritize God more than well. Then something interesting happened in this story. And this is the the moment of vulnerability that I, I want us to see. Peter stepped up, representing the disciples, and said to Jesus, we have left everything. We've left it all to follow you. Wow. I've never quite seen this little part of the story like I have this week. 
Peter was being incredibly vulnerable with Jesus here. He is essentially asking, Jesus, we've left all this. Did we get it right? Did we get the following thing right, Jesus? Have we passed the test that this guy just flunked? Do you remember the vulnerability you felt back in school when you waited for test results? For some of us, the final exam had a lot to do, to, a lot to say about whether we passed the course or not. Do you remember that kind of vulnerability as you waited? Jesus, is our faith good enough? Peter was asking. Jesus said, of course. He said, yes. We know they would go on to, to falter. But Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus is saying, you will have to lose for the sake of the kingdom, but I will fill you up. I will fill you up. I will give you so much now and throughout eternity. And we see here then vulnerability leads to the Lord's provision. When you're willing to surrender, when you're willing to surrender that which is keeping you from God, when you're willing to, to lose this, this is when He fills you up and when you gain so much more. Vulnerability. It's interesting. We open this talk by referencing superheroes. But we don't need to be invincible, do we? Yet when we're vulnerable before the Lord, we are made immortal. When we are vulnerable before the Lord, we share in His resurrection and we share in His glory. Only Jesus could take our vulnerability and turn it into glory. How? Because He who was with God in the beginning, He who walked the earth as God in the flesh, surrendered and made Himself vulnerable to the cross for our sakes. He endured the pain, the insults, the torture, the agony. He was stripped naked and nailed to the cross. He became vulnerable so that we would receive our immortality. Get real with Jesus today. Be vulnerable with Him about your sins. You will receive mercy. Be vulnerable with Him about your sense of security and He will hold your soul for all eternity and you will become immortal in Him. Be vulnerable and surrender all that would attach you to this earth. Receive His gracious and good provision. He will give you life to the full. Let us all be babies before the Lord. For the kingdom is such as these. Amen and amen. Pastor Brian, close us out. God, we thank you that you don't call us to be invincible, but you call us to be vulnerable. So help us this week, God, to be honest and to be transparent before you. And in that, God, we thank you that, Lord, you are merciful to us. You are forgiving when we bring anything 
to you. So God, bless us in the week ahead. May we be a light to people who need hope. In Jesus' name, amen.